welcome back to another episode of the Red Carpet Cafe, where I am one of your hosts, Eric Root, and as always, the Black Widow host. Oh, what? Uh, it's Bree Prout. Uh, yeah, that's right. Bree, how you been? I have been just dandy. How have you been? I'm doing pretty good there, poser. Doing your whole superhero pose where you pose <laughs> what the throw heck? your hair back. I had an itch on my eyebrows, that's why I was like Yeah. <laughs> also I was kind of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Uh what uh what's your concession? Pink Starburst. Okay, that's very specific. But it's the best. Do love the yeah, I do love pink starburst. Those are pretty I think good. That's strawberry. I that believe sounds you, right. I believe you are correct. Okay, so what is your least favorite Starburst flavor? Um, I know most people probably think that I'm getting ready to say lemon. That would be mine. But I think that I might lemon. go with orange. Really? I mean, I always eat the yellow and the orange first, and I kind of do it like simultaneously. Like, I don't like just the yellow, just the orange. I just kind of get those out of the way. Okay. And then I go to red. That's interesting. And I end with pink. Huh. I don't know. I think lemon is just too. What's the word I'm looking for? Lemonish. Weird. I think, yeah, I know. It's weird. Like truth in advertising. Yeah. Wow. My concession today is going to be pumpkin face cream filled cookies <laughs> from Benton's. Oh, that is an Aldi exclusive. If you don't have Crime an Aldi any. near you, I feel really sorry for you. Like perhaps they're at Trader out. Joe's. Um. Yeah. Maybe. Doubtful. Because I think all these is better priced. I could be wrong. We're not fighting about that on this episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> they're the same company. <laughs> all right. We are here today to discuss Natasha Romanoff's solo film that she finally got. Spoiler alert after her death in Endgame. It is a reflective piece known as Black Widow, which was released July 9th of 2021. Available in theaters uh, and also um, as premiere access on Disney Plus, which Mm -hmm. also resulted in a lawsuit such settlement, which she ended up, I think, getting $40 million out of, but that's not why we're discussing this whole thing either. No, we're talking about... Ready to talk. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) no, As I completely dominate this whole opening montage. Um, Really, this film is set between Captain America's Civil War and the events in Endgame, or excuse me, Infinity War. And uh, we get to find out a little bit about what happened at Budapest. She, <laughs> it's not Budapest, yes. Budapest, as she said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to tell you, before we roll into this film, I was a little disappointed that we didn't find out what happened in Budapest directly with Hawkeye, because that was one of the whole things that they kept bantering about through a few movies. Mm-hmm. And Hawkeye even made the comment in Endgame, you and I remember Budapest much differently. Or was that the original Avengers? Either way, it doesn't matter. 
we didn't get that storyline, which I would have figured would have been epic in itself. But we got a pretty good mm-hmm. one. We got some maybe, introduction to some new characters. Maybe it has more to do with Hawkeye, and we'll get that when Hawkeye's movie comes That's out. Actually, the series. Disney Plus series. Oh, it's Hawkeye. a series? I thought it yes. was going to be a movie. No, it's Whoops. the reason for it is that there's um, many episodes in... Last I read, I think it's about nine hours worth of content, but I've heard that before on WandaVision and Loki, and we got teased with, oh, hour-long episodes, which turned into 30 minutes, 40 minutes, etc. Mm-hmm. But before I even of continue content, on, anyway. Yeah. Before I continue to dominate this complete episode, which is not my <laughs> intention, talk to me about your impressions of Black Widow. Um, overall, it completely changed my perspective on how I've always viewed, um, Natasha. Mm -hmm. Um, it brought to light the fact that, um, just how strong of a woman she is. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that like really blew me away and they kind of reference it a little bit towards the middle end when she's talking to her quote-unquote mother right um and that's kind of played by rachel white yes (laughs) she's beautiful everyone in this movie is just so beautiful um (laughs) but (laughs) really even david harbour who played red guardian (laughs) with all those tattoos (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I mean honestly like that was my takeaway is it just completely changed my perspective on um who Natasha is as a a human I mean you see a little bit of that like love and care with her relationship with Hawkeye and in Endgame and his family um and the way that she's like looked out for cap you you notice it a little bit there but this movie just really shows how like it was a very vulnerable side of her mm-hmm. that you don't really get out of any of the other characters even in their standalones it's just it's i don't know i don't even i don't i don't have the words for it um but i really appreciated that and just it kind of blew me away of like the kind of person that that she is and how she handles herself and allows people to view her versus her truth right well the the general synopsis on this film is natasha romanoff aka black widow confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises Pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. So I like the fact that they started off in, what was that, Ohio? Mm-hmm. Where she's, what, seven or eight? Mm-hmm. And Yelena, who is her sister, is a couple years younger than that. And they're little, they're basically little kids growing mm-hmm. up in middle America. And then, you know, uh, Yelena gets hurt and um, Melina, who's their mom, comes to say, oh, look, you know, you're good. You're my strong girl. You're going to be fine. They go back to the house and then in comes Papa. Oh, Yep, Alexi is just like, okay, everybody, let's sit down to eat dinner. But by the way, um, 
We got to go. Remember, remember how I said we're going to go on an adventure? Let's go. Don't worry about your shoes. Leave them. And leave immediately. <laughs> take off. Almost leaving everything behind with except for a few odds and ends that we learn about more later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they make their way to this uh, airstrip to retrieve a plane. And you figure out very quickly that Alexi has some super strength as he <laughs> basically... Yeah pushes a kind of crazy he pushes a, what a tank out of the way or whatever it was. um it looked like a like a like a like a trailer yeah it just like like it was paper just pushes mm-hmm. it out of the way um and then a firefight ensues and um alexi hanging on to the wing of the plane for dear life uh as they take off they go to land and we learn that melina is uh wounded pretty bad but she'll live because she's strong Mm-hmm. Um, we meet uh, Alexi's boss, who we come to find out is basically the gentleman who is the one who creates all of the widow assassins mm-hmm. across the world. So I got to say, I'm a little disappointed IMDb gave it 6.8 mm-hmm. out of 10. I went through and was <laughs> reading some of the reviews because I was like, how in the world? I'm not going to tip my hand yet uh, as to what I'm rating this film, but I, I, even I thought that was a little low because, mm-hmm. you know, granted it may have opened up more questions, but sure. it did, it did fill a lot of holes. They were kind of like, Oh, that's what the red room was all about. That type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Thought that was uh, an interesting play. Plus we get the villain, the taskmaster. There was some mm-hmm. controversy behind that. What was the controversy? Well, I mean, being that it's been out for a while and um, it's not, I mean, it's a spoiler, but again, you've either already seen it or you haven't, and it's available for free on Disney, Disney Plus, Plus now. Mm-hmm. Taskmaster has been a couple of different characters in the comics over the years. And to the best of my knowledge, has never been a female. Okay. So when we learned that Widow was trying to assassinate Alexi's boss, and why is his name escaping me? Uh, Drakoff. Drakoff is the, the one who created all the Widows. When she's trying to assassinate him and then mm-hmm. make it into S.H.I.E.L.D., we find out that Alexi's daughter is there at the same time and more or less the whole building goes up and the assumption is that Drakeoff is dead, Alexi's daughter is dead, and um, mm-hmm. the word gets out that someone killed you know, Alexi's kid mm-hmm. and later we find out that Alexi's daughter survives only because Drakeoff also survives and puts a chip in the back of her head and she mm-hmm. becomes this maniacal robotic killer that mm-hmm. mimics everybody that she ever sees all styles all avengers all enemies mm-hmm. she will use your moves against you kind of like kirby in super smash brothers right and so in the initial uh discussions before the film came out there were many that thought oh you know what i bet you taskmaster ends up being more than one person so like Okay. It's a slew of taskmasters and we mm-hmm. find out they're different identities, but not in this case, we find out it is Alexi's daughter. Um, okay. It doesn't make it any less cool because as a fighter, her moves were pretty badass. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, she's using a shield that I'm guessing is vibranium, but uh, not Captain was, America's. I, yeah, I kind of thought about that a few times whenever the shield came into play. I'm like, interesting. Yeah, but she knew how to counter anything that was in Natasha Romanoff's uh, repertoire, which means that she had to think outside the box when it came to fighting, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Um, but from there, we get that uh, really dark and depressing Nirvana smells like teen spirit um oh song my gosh. during yes. the credits and all i want to say is like how fitting that was it was so good like that like at that point i was just like uh i mean i'll be pretty blunt and i'm gonna get a lot of crap for this but i'm starting to get to this point right now with mcu where i'm like oh another movie oh another back oh you know and it's like ultimately they always end up being good but prior to my sister being like look you gotta watch these and you should watch them in Mm -hmm. like sequential order or chronological order sorry um I was always like meh superheroes eh, (laughs) whatever but damn it's so good yeah but now I'm kind of starting to fall back into that of like like I mean is it too much of a good thing sometimes I think it might be but then things always happen and you learn more things and you're like yeah like it's cool but like I don't know so that's kind of like how I was like entering into this and so that credit scene and that like you said like that eerie nirvana remake i was like oh because during that whole time we see all of the girls that drakeoff Mm -hmm. has commandeered that he's trying to push through as widows Mm -hmm. yeah and they even say that not all of them make it some Mm -hmm. of the ones that don't make it they literally are dead right and that's why they yeah that's why they haven't made it they tend Um, to make deals with uh parents that need the money and you know give up their kids like buying children though this the tragic thing is that we find out that natasha's mom tried hard to find her afterwards but drakeoff ends up killing her and putting her in an unmarked grave which is absolutely insane yep yeah it's it just it lends a hand just that opening credit scene lends a hand to the like um the i can't think of the word i'm trying to use just the i don't want to say like inhumane but the the eeriness of like what has really been happening right well think of it like this this wasn't about sex trafficking. This was about no. trafficking young girls to turn them into assassins, which is right. totally just, just as tragic. I yes. mean, they're taking from their that's, lives. That's true. As we learn from Yelena, as they oh, rescue yes. Alexi mm-hmm. from the prison. I remember that scene too. And that, I was like, oh, hey. he, he, Alexi's like, you know, when she's upset, like, what is it that time of the month? And she's like, no, idiot. They take like, out. I don't have a uterus. They take out all your insights, and then she starts getting descriptive. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, no need to get nasty and clinical." Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It gave me like there. There are a lot of things in a good way. Uh, I struggle saying it in a good way, but um, there were a lot of scenes and a lot of happenings in the movie that reminded me a lot of um, Red Sparrow. Do you remember that movie? Yes, with mm-hmm. um, Jennifer Lawrence. Right. Very similar. Um, 
I don't want to say that I don't believe that ideas were taken from that in order to create this movie. I'm not saying that by any stretch, but it just was very reminiscent of that and kind of that. Yeah. That like that scary lifestyle of like, like how this happens. I mean, anytime you think of an assassin, there's some kind of something that, you know, whatever. Well, anyway, if you look at the, the way in, I see your point on the MCU films. If you look at the way they've played out, you have certain films like your Iron Man, your Thor, your Captain America, where your, they your staples. They are just that. Even Spider-Man. They are superhero movies. Mm-hmm. This one felt different because she is mostly skill in tech. Mm-hmm. Where Tony is tech and tech with a lot of intelligence. But this felt more like an espionage film as opposed to... Uh, you know, you have Tony Stark, which I like Iron Man character. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Y- you have him where he's captive and then he has to create this gross yes. tech in order to be able to yep. escape. And then once he does, he starts perfecting it into basically, um, not to coin a term per se on that, but a, a series of war machines, which end mm-hmm. up becoming war machine is one of the Tony Stark models. Mm-hmm. Um, where Natasha is going in and using disguise to me, it felt almost like a female bond film and and how, and how it plays out because even though she's not reporting to anybody, Mm -hmm. she has enough wit and connections to get her the things she needs and where she needs to go Mm -hmm. and the survivability. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately we know that what the whole point of this film is is that yelena stumbles across after being exposed to this nerve agent that wakes her up from this programming that Drakoff does of all the widows so that he can have them do their bidding and so once exposed to this chemical they become self-aware she takes out the sensor and grabs what's left over of this formula even though she inadvertently kills a former widow who was holding on to it. And then she sends it off to the safe house in hopes that um, Natasha will find it and maybe have one of her friends make more antidotes. And the whole point of that film is Drakoff is trying to get that, that antidote back, trying to keep it off the market. He wants to keep his widows intact. Right. And, and it makes for, um, for interesting moments because you have the character Rick Mason, who is Natasha's first time we meet him is Natasha's contact for black market stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he tries to be quirky with her. He's, you know, semi charming. <laughs> she's but, just all business. <laughs> yeah. She is just straight up all business. And anytime she needs more gear and the heat gets turned up because, you know, you still have, uh, you know, the u.s government who's trying to track her down after endgame mm-hmm. and or not endgame after civil war and the accords war, yes that she manages <laughs> to slip in. away yeah exactly she slips away but it doesn't mean that the colonel isn't interested in finding her right. um so he turns up the heat on rick which makes it really tough for his um unscrupulous buyers to want to do business with him and so he's talking about you know, it's going to cost you more <laughs> as you request more things. 
But um, I have to say that uh, Alexi was probably one of the more compelling characters. Now, don't get me wrong. We all love Natasha for the most part if you're a Black Widow fan. Mm -hmm. And finding out more about her was fun. Yelena, her younger sister, all her trials and tribulations played by Florence Pugh. Um, also good. I, I have a really strong feeling we're going to see a lot more of her in this next phase four of films. Um, because if you have been paying attention to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and if you've been paying attention to WandaVision, and if you've been paying attention to Loki, um, and especially is coming out soon. What's that? Eternals is coming out soon. It is. If you've also been paying attention to What If, the animated Marvel show on Disney Plus that had just finished its first season, they're building up basically what looks to be possibly the West Coast Avengers or the Dark Avengers. Have did you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I watched some of it. <laughs> Did oh, I finish it? No. Things, I know. I'm like, uh, I'm so overwhelmed with. I know there's a lot going on, but that's why they release them slowly <laughs> over time. <laughs> so that you take the time to watch them and you have more than enough time to see it before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. 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 John Walker was supposed to be the replacement Captain America, but Correct. he did not have the fortitude to do it without going chemical. Mm-hmm. John Walker <laughs> or, or with guns. Right. John Walker becomes US agent. And US agent is a character that is a, is utilized in I believe the West Coast Avengers. Okay. Um, I believe uh Wiccan and Speed are also involved with that group, which are um Wanda's uh kids. And then um, we call him White Vision, but I mean, yep. ultimately, it's it's still Vision, the Vision, if you will, just no longer with Some pigment form of Vision. Yes, um, but Yelena is also uh, attached to that group. Okay, sometimes. Okay, think of it I'm like learning so much. Think of it like a less ridiculous suicide squad (laughs) because um julia louise dreyfus uh her character makes her debut at the end of falcon and the winter soldier but we also saw her in the post-credit scenes of black widow you did watch the post-credit scenes of mm-hmm. black okay just mm-hmm. checking yes when she's <laughs> yes. at the grave it, it's it's mcu i watched post-credit okay all right just double check or 101 dalmatians or cruella whatever the <laughs> heck no i don't think that there are going to be post-credits right just assume every movie is now copying the mcu and has post-credits. i guess yeah Man. Uh, eternals by the way spoiler alert i hear has two post-credit scenes um okay. spider-man spider-man no way home i heard also has two post-credit scenes Okay. Films that are all coming out before the end of this year. So let me ask you, let me ask you this then. When it comes to this film, 
because we're we basically aren't going linear at this point i mean we're kind of all over the board which is yeah fine. yeah bantering on this film i like is, that is better fun. i like that better than giving a right. breakdown watch it then you'll so, have your own <laughs> right and to put it into perspective yesterday um for time frame for the listener because this is going to air on monday the 18th we are recording this basically the day after William Shatner, 90 years of age, has gone up into space, the oldest man to go into space and come back. He was on the Blue Origin rocket that Jeff Bezos created. So just giving a perspective. And uh, Brie, I believe, is going to be a birthday girl tomorrow. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Thanks there for is remembering. Ha- happy early birthday, Brie. Thanks. Yes. So kind. <laughs> so that being said, what was your favorite character and moment of this film birthday girl that's super well you know what i i actually kind of have a double i have a coin toss on this okay killing flies over here um uh both natasha and melina for different reasons Mm -hmm. um with melina i when she is looking at natasha and, and and it's a semi-emotional scene as much as as um these as these widows can have emotion um asking natasha how she grew to be so kind okay and natasha's like i live my life the way that you taught us which is like it's a special moment because this is the woman who quote unquote raised her but wasn't really her mother um and then from there there's this scene where um where you know they swap places without everyone everyone knowing and they kind of do a flashback and explain how that happened and where it came from and melina gets in there and she has a headset for herself and then um yelena has the other one and she's like yelena it's mommy like i really mm-hmm. i liked that it was a very touching moment and it made her more human right because previous to that whole scene she was like i've already called the red room like they're coming for you right right so um so like you like hate her for that moment but then all but she also happened. didn't have to say it either correct but mm-hmm. even so she still did it like you know if you take a baseball bat to a car and then you go oh sorry well you still destroyed the car true so, or you could use the defense that um the car got in the way of your baseball swings sure but um, but i'm sure most insurance companies wouldn't buy that in this and <laughs> well maybe farmers insurance because they've seen everything <laughs> they've so covered everything right and if farmers um, needs a plug you just let us know <laughs> <laughs> we are farmer <laughs> <laughs> careful I, I didn't do the whole jingle that's very um, true anyway uh and then obviously natasha favorite scene for her mm-hmm. um a little bit of when she is um when she's talking to Drakov and she's trying to kill him mm-hmm. and can't but is still trying and then you know right. and then all that unfolds and the reason why she can't because of his pheromones she's been brainwashed as a widow um that when she if she smells his pheromones she can't harm him mm-hmm so she's got to sever the nerve and she severs it. Um, spoiler alert. 
I do, but I do love her line where she's like, I was really hoping you were strong enough to do it for me, uh, yep. but it looks like I got to finish the job yeah. and she slams her face yeah. into the table and breaks her nose. Um, so, but my ultimate favorite scene, and again, it's with Natasha, it's as the building is starting to crumble. Yes. And there's just this intense, amazing series of action it's just so action-packed and it's maybe maybe 10 minutes long but it is so like packed it's just it's so cool there it's her releasing i guess at the time it's not antonia yet at the time releasing taskmaster master and saying i'm releasing you i'm Mm -hmm. gonna try to save you i know you're gonna come for me but let's go right and and keep in mind when we say the building's falling this whole building is basically on an airship that's several hundred miles in the sky. Yes. And when Yelena shuts down, not Yelena, um, when Melina shuts down the engines, the building starts to fall from the sky. Mm-hmm. And it had its own um, like area of like where jets helipad yeah helipads are hanging out all around the building and so uh, everything is literally falling out of the sky and um i agree with you that was probably the most incredible action sequence scene because as the building's falling they are scaling the walls albeit Mm -hmm. downwards while taskmaster and um, widow or uh, natasha are going at each other yeah what as as like from a human level standpoint of how unrealistic it is. The only thing, the only time I ever thought, well, that's not realistic. Cause the whole time, like I was in it and I was like, I was believing all of these amazing stunts, mm-hmm. which is what's so great about MCU is that even though it's like an extreme, it's like, it's badass. Um, when they're sliding down the solar panels with their hands. Yes. No freaking way. Can you do that? <laughs> like it's no. Um, anyway. <laughs> But so within that scene, so many things are happening. Um, uh, I keep always forgetting her sister's name. Yelena yes. um, is trying to blow up the the engine of the jet that um, Drakoff is trying to get into. And as a result, even though um, Natasha tells her not to, she blows up the engine. It blows her back and she just starts free falling. Yeah. And, you know, and like you're free falling one, the altitude they're already at, plus this free fall, she's like slowly kind of losing consciousness. Um, Natasha starts fighting again at the time Taskmaster and um, and gets away and then dives off what left of this ship building. And in the, the coolest part of all of that is when she goes, there's a helicopter that's free falling like a like a black hawk and mm-hmm. so the sides are open and she just slides right through yeah that was like pretty good football. she grabs you know she's grabbing anything that she can that could be a supply she gets a a parachute she catches her sister she straps the parachute on her sister pulls it and now they're falling through the sky still but in a chute with all this debris just flying everywhere like i was almost waiting for a piece to like penetrate the parachute and then they'd be in peril again yeah. um instead 
Natasha looks beyond her sister and sees taskmasters coming down again, coming for her, like she said was going to happen. So she pushes off her sister and pushes her sister away so that she can be like land safely. And then she just starts free falling, waiting for taskmaster to grab her. So they're kind of fighting in the sky taskmasters parachute goes off and they safely land to this like (laughs) rolling stop and then they kind of start then all the action and the fighting starts again and it's just some really cool fight sequences in that too but gosh that was it was such a cool scene like between like that the the smells like teen spirit right and then and then that fight sequence and just the falling through the sky i thought that those are those were my favorite scenes and those are my favorite characters a long way to answer your question no but no that, that's, that's, that's right that's perfect um I, i'm on the same page with you when it came to that um battle sequence like i we both mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um, as the building the red room is falling to i was almost like yeah a, a borderline favorite fight sequence or action scene in all of mcu thus far okay That's so tie I, on my list i mentioned it earlier i think my favorite character in this film was alexi and yeah you did. for me for me alexi had some key moments that just made me just scratch my head and just laugh because of his absurdity um, when he's pouring he's out in, his heart <laughs> well he's in prison and he's getting a tattoo another tattoo like he's he's got hundreds of tattoos and he's arm wrestling these people and he's telling this story about how he fought captain america and this big guy goes and sits down in front of him as he's wasting one challenger after another and he's still telling the story like nonstop. and he's like the the big guy sits down and goes, <laughs> So tell me, when would when did you fight him? And he's like, I don't know, like 83, 84. And the guy <laughs> goes, That's impossible. He was still on ice then. And Alexi's like, You you calling me a liar? Are you <laughs> you calling me a liar? So they lock up the hands and he pretends as if the big guy's winning and then ends up <laughs> slamming and breaking his wrist. <laughs> and I just I thought that was at first I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. I mean, he's telling everybody he fought Captain America. Mm-hmm. And then after he gets rescued from the prison in one of the craziest rescue sequences ever, uh-huh. as the snow is coming down, don't or, or do anything avalanche. to draw attention to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Avalanche coming down, about to take and bury the whole prison in, in snow while they're trying to helicopter out. Mm-hmm. And they eventually land to find Molina. And he's like calling Natasha back. Hey, Natasha, come here. Did he ever talk about me? Who? Captain America. (laughs) What? That's what you care about? (laughs) But then I started thinking about it because I watched all of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That there were clearly at least one other metahuman that didn't necessarily don the Captain America like mantra and shield but um i forget the gentleman's name but he ends up getting credit for his service at the end and part of it was is that when he was experimented on um he was a soldier of color and it was during a time where it was completely ungrateful like you go into your job but you're not considered human and it was a really Mm -hmm. touching moment in falcon the winter soldier when um falcon 
ends up getting the museum where Captain America was, he gets full credit with his own statue and his whole story. And he invites him to come with his grandson um, to see it. And it was a really cool moment. But then it got me wondering, was that the, the Captain America that Alexi fought? Because again, he would have been, even though the guy <laughs> pissed him off, um, Cap would have been on ice in the eighties. He didn't surface until, you know, the two thousands. Mm-hmm. so i don't know it does bring up in that aspect some questions uh and then of course you know his banterings with the girls when they first you know rescue him which we talked mm-hmm. about but i love this his scene. ridiculous stories that he's got i gotta <laughs> complete my story i love the the scene where they're about to drop the red room melina lets him out after he realizes that melina was dressed uh or disguised as natasha and the, she used the same mask that they used in Captain America's um, Winter Soldier when Natasha infiltrated um, the director's office. And she's talking to Yelena on the headpiece and he puts his <laughs> finger in his ear and he's like, honey, listen, I just want to tell you that blah, blah, blah. And Melina's like, they can't hear you. Is it not working? You didn't get an earpiece. Why didn't I get an earpiece? There was only <laughs> there was only two. There wasn't enough to give her out. Right, and like he, like he wouldn't know that. He <laughs> yeah, he's just talking, thinking he's that just, they could hear him. Uh, so a silly man, or when he's in there and he's like spilling his heart out, and then realizes that it's Melina, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> right, and then he wants to make up for that conversation with Natasha after the fact, and but yeah. that's too late. Um. So, yeah, I think it was good. I think the only thing that made it kind of um, tricky is that, yes, you see Yelena at the end credit scene putting stuff around the makeshift grave in Ohio, Mm -hmm. um, which is what she considered a home as a kid Mm -hmm. for uh, Natasha, even though Mm -hmm. Natasha's body was never recovered from Vormir. But I still wish that they would have had some kind of like actual funeral for her of some kind. They really didn't. And that's yeah. that's the only real tragic part about that. Yeah. I, I there are oddly only a few times where I've felt super emotional in MCU. Like mm-hmm. like the emotions got the best of me. Obviously, I love you three thousand is one of them. Sure. Um when 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 Peter's saying, you know, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Oh, uh, I, my wife and I both <laughs> got choked up over that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when Natasha sacrifices herself. Sure, sure. And there is that moment, too, in Endgame where you see, you know, Cap is basically one man against oh. the, the army. And you hear Falcon one more. in the airpiece, you mm-hmm. know, Cap on your left. And then everyone starts showing up. And then when Peter shows up, mm-hmm. Tony's shocked. And, you know, all he wants to do is give him a hug. I mean, that mm-hmm. was also one of those, you know, emotional moments. For yeah. The, there's another one and it's with Cap. And it's when he's, when he comes back and he's. You're right. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's when, when Cap comes back and he's. 700 years old Um, oh right that's that's an emotional scene and then at the very start even though i didn't watch all of it but at the very start of falcon and winter soldier 
and you have to relive all of that. Right. I'm like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> so, so those those are my those were the the emotional moments. Okay. So. So on a so scale, I like Natasha a lot. A scale of one to ten, uh, Black Widow assassins. What are you giving this film? <sighs> okay, this is hard for me because I wouldn't consider it a ten. But there are so many really cool and special things about this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. I'm close on that one with you. I'm actually giving it eight and a half. Okay. Um, and for that, the reason why I gave it the eight and a half was because uh, I like the content. I think the content fit in nice to give mm-hmm. us a nice little bridge between the two films. The drawback of trying to watch them in actual linear order is these post credit scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you tried to go, mm-hmm. you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and then Captain Marvel, you got these post credit scenes where it puts everything out of perspective. Right. Have you seen, there's like, and this is pre even like recent releases, but I know there's like it, there's there's something out there where it's like you watch this scene in this movie, then this scene in this movie, then this scene, and it's like the the amount of time that people take to break all of this down. Mm-hmm. Not only is that incredible, but those behind all of MCU that are making this all possible, right. just the time and attention and the thought and the the hidden subliminal anything is just pretty, pretty fascinating. Ain't nobody got time to to break it down scene by scene though. (laughs) I mean, there's there's a video, there's, there's a YouTube video out there that does it. And I don't know where it is. I don't know what I know of it. I have not seen it. I've only heard about this majestic unicorn. Interesting. All right. Well, before we go to wrap this up, we're going to do some bonus content that you were oh not, that you were not prepared for. But let's but, go the spot. No, 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 no. But see, this is kind of what I'm thinking next year's podcast season will kind of look like. Me, me in the hot seat all the time. Cool. No, 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 no. I have this thought, and if the listeners want to weigh in on it, we'd be happy to. Info at bkrpn.com which is a great email address to use to answer this question. I'm thinking maybe starting in next year when we go to decide on season two. Yeah. Season two, when we do our episodes, maybe we do it so that you've watched a movie and I've watched a movie. And then we share with each other what we learned about it and kind of enticing, you know, either the other to watch it or, um, you know, just give people generalized information. And if we both sure. happen to have watched these films, then fantastic. But I think I think we, I think we think also we can cover some serious ground on this if we do. It that I like way. that. I think we also need um, some trivia. Yes, trivia I, night. I don't think history review night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to have enough time in the remainder of this year for season no. one to do that. Season two, things to come. Yes, it would be nice to get some listeners involved too on the trivia just uh, for fun. Yeah, that's a great idea. So here's the bonus content. 
I'm going to talk to you about um, a show that you have not watched, which I had mentioned earlier. Marvel's animated What If on Disney Plus. Um, August 11th, it dropped. The last episode of the season was October 6th, so it just happened. There were nine episodes total. Okay. The first episode was called What If Captain Carter Was the First Avenger? Episode two is What What If T'Challa Became Star-Lord? <laughs> episode three, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? Uh, episode four is What If Doctor Strange Lost His Heart Instead of His Hands? And episode five was What If Zombies? Yeah. Episode six was What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark? Episode seven is What If Thor Were the An Only Child? Number eight was What If Ultron Won? Number nine, the season finale was What If the Watcher Broke His Oath? So what does all that mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so What If is narrated in the front and back ends and sometimes during the middle of the show itself um, by a character called the watcher and with the watcher um, he is kind of like an omnipresent being we don't know exactly what he is but he is not seen not heard Mm -hmm. but is always observing not just one universe, but all universes. So the multiverse. Okay. So he, he goes and tells stories about these multiverses and these happen to be um, like the most important ones. So at least to his storyline and his oath is, is that he cannot get involved in any capacity. He cannot change the way it's supposed to go. So it starts off where he narrates in episode one. You know, we all know the events of how Captain America became Captain America. Um, But what if Peggy Carter is the one that ends up getting the serum? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of see as you watch the opening sequence where Steve Rogers is about to go into the machine. And instead of everyone being up in the booth, like they are in the movie, they make the decision to stay down below. And the watcher tells you, this is the moment where that line pivots. And so instead you have the guy who does the detonating of the bomb downstairs, uh, tries to take the shot at uh, Steve Rogers, um, you know, grabs the, uh, the serum. And before anything could happen, Basically, he, you know, goes off, but gets he gets killed. And so what happens is, is that they think that, oh, no, we've just lost this. We can't we've lost our whole ability to do this project. Mm -hmm. But Peggy goes, no, I'm going to do it. So she takes herself and puts herself in the machine, takes the serum Mm -hmm. and she becomes Captain Carter. Okay. she gets her vibranium shield with the British, you know, flag on it. Okay. Um, and Steve Rogers ends up still being a factor, but not like he was. He is put into a mech made by t- um, 
Howard Stark called the Hydra uh, Hydra Stomper. It basically looks like a really gigantic Iron Man. It's just smaller than the Iron Giant. Okay. But bigger than Iron Man. Almost like okay. a Hulkbuster, but more old school Iron Man looking. Okay. So they have their flirtation thing. He gives her, he's got jets so he can give her a lift and drop her off into enemy lines. She basically helps destroy Hydra. Okay. Um, but then something happens at the end of the episode. She is involved with the Tesseract when they get their hands on the Tesseract. And as mm-hmm. the Tesseract is being looked at by Nick Fury and the gang, mm-hmm. it opens up the wormhole, but some huge thing with tentacles grabs her in, pulls her in end of episode. So you're like, how do you end the episode that way? That's so weird. Mm-hmm. Then you go on to the next week. The watcher talks about Peter Quill we know that he's the kid of Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy um, 2. Mm-hmm. And, but what if Yondu and the gang grab the wrong kid? Mm-hmm. So they meet t- little T'Challa in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. He's fascinated by the spaceship. And Yondu's like, how'd you like to see all the stars? Mm-hmm. Takes him aboard, trains him to become a Ravager. And T'Challa is a Ravager, voiced by Chadwick Boseman. That's so cool. Fun fact. We get to see Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa in a few episodes. And unfortunately, the season finale is the last recording of Chadwick Boseman as Mm T'Challa. But we get him for the season finale, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, it goes on to what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? What that basically starts doing is one by one, the Avengers are killed Mm -hmm. in that episode. Sounds like invincible. And come to find out the reason why it happened is because of Hank Pym. Hank Pym was pissed because um, the Avengers basically didn't bother bringing his daughter aboard. He did not go and rescue his wife. Like she, he's like, she should have been an Avenger and they didn't choose her to be an Avenger. So he's angry and he uses his ability to shrink and does things like get into a fight with Hulk, shrink down, get inside Hulk, grow, Hulk's dead. Okay. And literally starts killing them all off one by one. It's a dark episode. Okay. This very reminiscent of invincible okay episode four dr strange loses his heart instead of his hands Mm -hmm. goes to um instead of we know from dr strange film that he's supposed to go to a meeting which he gets the car crash etc but uh or a um, presentation but instead he's dating uh the doctor whom he had, you know, a past with in the film, but they're dating. And instead what happens is, is there is a car crash, but she dies. And 
it crushes him. Mm-hmm. He ends up wanting to learn more about the mystic arts and the time stone becomes a thing. And the next thing, you know, he is trying to use the time stone to bring her back. Mm-hmm. And every time he goes back to the moment he picks her up, she may not die the same way, but it results in her death in every single turn. So he gets obsessed. He wants to know more and more. He finds out about books of dark magic that were not in Karmatash. They were, I believe, like South America or something like that. He goes there to learn them, but is warned, this is stuff you don't want to mess with. Mm -hmm. And so he takes it upon himself to absorb all of this dark magic, and it changes him dramatically because we also find out that it takes him like a hundred something years to finish him, finish learning all this stuff. But now he's no longer like blue and, and, and red cloak and, you know, a little bit of gray. No, he's like evil, almost like an evil Dr. Strange at this time. Also voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, which was fantastic. I love his voice. He keeps trying to um, save her to the point where, he was warned that if he continues to run the path, he is going to, to tear apart the known universe and it, the, the fabric of it. And guess what? That's exactly what happens. He's trying to save her and the universe that he knows is basically melting away into nothing mm-hmm. around him to the point where he has to tra- get trapped inside a pocket universe, you know, like the glass kind of, mirror universe thing that he did in the movie mm-hmm. he does that then in order to prevent him from disappearing but she still wastes away so now he's alone and his universe is gone mm-hmm. end of episode what if zombies you've got a band of avengers who are healthy spider-man winter soldier um you've got uh uh wasp um, you know, Hope Van Dyne, uh, a few others that are still out there um, trying to fight the good fight, but a zombie virus has basically taken over the world. And, you know, it starts off with um, Hulk coming back to Earth, crashing through it like he did in Infinity War, saying, Thanos is coming, Thanos is coming. And then he looks up and he's like, where is everybody? There's nobody there. He goes outside and just like in Infinity War, he sees Ebony Ma and his buddy going, citizens of Earth, hear me now. You know, he's trying to get the time stone. And then all of a sudden a portal opens up and you see Tony Stark's Iron Man fist just blast a hole through Ebony and he drops dead immediately. And Wong and Doctor Strange uh, decimate um the other black order member and then he's like oh great fantastic this is so cool that this happened and he gets closer and he's like what happened to you guys and like tony's half of tony's face is all skeleton uh zombies but they're functioning like high level functioning zombies and then the two black water members become zombies and then um you see banner escape barely but he escapes the episode basically culminates into they're trying to get to an area that's safe 
and they get to this military base where the zombies are outside, but there's open holes and they're trying to figure out why the zombies won't go inside. Well, then they get there, they see vision and they're like, Oh, vision. Great. Well, vision's humanoid. He's not going to be affected by a zombie virus. Well, um, as they get there, they find uh, Scott Ant-Man, but they only find Ant-Man's head, which is alive on a pedestal with a thing over it, like a glass case. And he's talking and doing his Ant-Man jokes as usual. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're trying to find out from Vision why, you know, this is happening and how they can get out of there. And Vision starts alluding to the fact that he really wished that they hadn't have shown up. Because in order for the zombies to stay alive, they have to feed. And in order to feed, they have to have live people. And they're like, well, what are you doing? Well, come to find out, it's because he's feeding his girlfriend, who is a Scarlet Witch zombie. And they won't enter because the Mind Stone is so strong that the zombies are at bay. So they deal with that and some of them manage to escape, but a lot of people were lost and vision ends up taking out the mind stone from his own head because he's feeling guilty, gives it to them. He turns into dead vision and end of episode. Killmonger ends up being the one to rescue Tony from Iron Man one. So he never becomes Iron Man. And Come to find out, Obadiah is the one, Obadiah is the bald guy who was running um, Stark Industries while Tony was gone. Obadiah is the one that set up the whole ambush to begin with. But Killmonger tells him, Tony, the reason why I was even there is because Obadiah set this whole thing up and he knew that we weren't that far away. So that's how I was able to get to you. So Obadiah gets fired, Killmonger gets promoted to his chief operating officer, and come to find out, Killmonger had this all planned up to begin with because he wants to create his own version of Stark robots Mm -hmm. to take over Wakanda. He still kills T'Challa, or he kills T'Challa and goes after the king um does it under a ruse of the u.s government's trying to take over i'm here to help but really he's the cause of it and then the episode ends with suri and um uh, pepper trying to go back and stop um killmonger because killmonger actually kills tony in the episode with the robot Moving on to um, Thor was an only child. Uh, that means Loki was never adopted. And he basically him and his uh, his cohorts from Asgard show up to Vegas and they just want to party. Mm-hmm. But then the party turns into a fight with the ice giants, uh, Loki and um, the gang. And I think we actually get... Um, Oh, that's when we get the appearance of Ultron, Ultron robots. They start Mm -hmm. fighting and causing chaos. So that was kind of a crazy episode. 
the what if Ultron one basically is exactly as it sounds. Um, Ultron got a hold of the vision body and he also manages to pull something off that kind of made me think, my Lord, why didn't they just do that in an infinity war? Infinity war would have been a much shorter film. Thanos shows up to claim the mind stone Mm -hmm. and visions. there hovering looking at him going, huh, that's interesting. He sees all the stones, uses mm-hmm. the Mind Stone, and proceeds to cut Thanos directly in half. Body <laughs> splits. Mm-hmm. He's done. Mm-hmm. He, he destroys the gauntlet, takes the gauntlet, and now he's got all the Infinity Stones imbued on his chest. And he proceeds to realize that with the Infinity Stones, he can do what Ultron wanted to do, and that was annihilate all of the problem, the problem being humans. Mm-hmm. So he starts killing everyone. Mm-hmm. Turns that world into chaos. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the final episode. What if the Watcher broke his oath? Well, at the end of the episode eight, Ultron realizes that he can see the Watcher in the sky mm-hmm. and hear him talk. And the Watcher catches him off guard. So Ultron breaks through the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And is starts a fight with the Watcher. And the Watcher's got some pretty good powers. He looks like he's about five foot tall, but I mean, he's got some pretty good powers. Okay. So the Watcher uh, escapes through the many multiverses. And as he does, we see various scenes of things that we've never seen before, like Galactus eating a planet, like a literal planet. And if you don't know who Galactus is, just think of him as a really, really, really gigantic, uh, evil character that will eat a planet and so we see him trying to eat the planet that the watchers on he moves on he hides in a pocket multiverse with mm-hmm. star with um dr strange and says i need your help and then they go to that new episode the final the finale and and he convinces dr strange that he needs to recruit some of the best heroes over the multiverse which happens to be captain carter Star-Lord T'Challa, Killmonger, believe it or not. Uh, Let's see. Who else was in that? Oh, Thor. And Gamora, which we hadn't seen in any previous episodes, but my understanding there was a 10th episode that's being pushed off till next season, which may have had her in it. Um, And then... They end up on the world where Ultron was. Their whole goal is, is Gamora has a device that will crush the Infinity Stones and decimate them so they're not recoverable. So they need to get them off of Ultron. They go to the world that was basically everyone was killed by Ultron. And um, they find Natasha Romanoff by herself. And they end up... uh, getting her help in order to try and get this all taken care of. Now, what was cool about this film or the, this series was that as everything else in most more Marvel movies, the hero wins, the heroes win. So when they get to the point of doing what they need to do and how they do it is actually pretty cool. Um, they get back to the place where the watcher tells them you did your job, but now I need to send you back to your times. 
Well, one by one, they send them back to their times to the point where they first left off. But you had Natasha that goes, I don't, I don't want to go back to my time because there's nobody left. That was it. There's nothing there for me. And he takes her instead to the flight deck of one of those um, hovercrafts like shield and the Avengers are fighting. And he goes, I'm not supposed to be involved like this, but you know, paraphrasing, I'm not supposed to be involved, but this world lost its widow. And you start realizing <gasps> end game after end game. And so they're, they're fighting Though it doesn't quite make sense because Steve Rogers is still young Steve Rogers or younger, not 70-year-old man Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. But as Loki is fighting the people on the flight deck with his minions, um, Nick Fury goes, you're not my Romanoff, but you have her spirit. And uh, you're like, okay, cool. That's kind of a fitting way of reintroducing her back into it. Mm -hmm. So why why did I bring all this up? And I just went long winded on you or the lizards <laughs> like, my God, this guy drones on. The reason being is that there is a chance that some of the events in this show may carry over into the live action films. There's talk that we might mm -hmm. see it, the watcher. Um, I think it's Jeremy, Wright That uh, voiced him. Uh, we may see that character in phase four possibly which would be very interesting we may get to see in dr strange uh in the um multiverse of madness we may get to see not just dr strange but the dark version of dr strange that came about in this animated show so these are all possibilities that are very enticing to me okay. i like a good story mm -hmm. um overall it, it is dark, so it is hard to watch. I would say probably don't want to binge it unless you're interested in some funky dreams. <laughs> but overall, I would say that I would give um, a rating of a solid eight for storytelling. Okay. So if you have an opportunity, I suggest that uh, you give it a shot because we have Shang-Chi and... The Legend of the Ten Rings is dropping for free for everybody um, in early November mm -hmm. on Disney Plus, which I'm very excited to see. Have not had an opportunity to go to the theater to watch it. That's what happens when you have two young kids and you work too much. <laughs> <clears throat> and then Eternals um, is coming out. Hawkeye, the series, is coming out. MCU's mm -hmm. got a lot of cool things in the pike. And um, as long as the content's good, I'll continue to watch it. Yeah. So now that I was extremely long-winded, um, do you want to close us out? <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to. Um, I don't know. I yeah, don't have a at this point. You could do it. Come on. Oh, man, I have faith I've in you. I've never done this. <gasps> yeah, it's all good. You're the birthday girl. You take a, you take a moment there. All right. Little ch center yourself. Little chi. Maybe, maybe go get yourself a, ta a tattoo says a Stitch fan or something. Is that a thing? Stitch fan? No? You don't like Stitch? Okay. Oh, no, wait. Never mind. That was a friend of ours. What you got? I've been listening to the Red Carpet Cafe. I am one of your hosts, Bree Prout. 
and I am the other host, Eric Ruth. And Red Carpet Cafe is a member of the Be Kind Rewind Podcast Network. You can find us on the web at bkrpn.com. And also, too, our next episode is not going to be on a Monday. We're going to drop this bad boy on Halloween. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.